Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of, the podcast, where we explore the struggles of life, the challenges of mental health and recovery, and the spaces between. We express our personal views on life here, and this podcast is not meant to replace medical advice or tell anyone the right way to live. This podcast is best used as a place of curiosity and questioning to accompany you on your journey. Be aware there is strong language. Here we go. Hey, Billy. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right, man. It's good to have you back. Yeah, had a little bit of time off. As always, working on things around the house and family. That's <laughs> right, right, right. That's these days what I do with a lot of my free time. <laughs> I got a haircut two days ago, and I came in here without my recovery sort of hat, thinking I'll show off my nice haircut. Now the camera <laughs> angle makes me look really bald. <laughs> oh well, uh, it's like a mohawk. Yeah, it's to be a guy at forty-three. Yeah, know? right. It is what it is. Um, so hey, you were uh, just before we started recording, you were telling me about your your dog, and I think that's where we're going. So. What yeah, so we uh, have a dog. She's a Great Dane Lab mix, big dog, Gigantic. 140 pounds. You know, how, uh, how long have you had her? About three years, I think. Uh, we went to a shelter to pick out a dog, and because I I never got the idea of like spending hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars on a dog i'm like there's right. plenty of dogs that are free like why would... <laughs> and they aren't even free at the shelter but that's a whole nother story oh, yeah, yeah. so you know we went to the shelter and we you know saw this dog and i immediately fell in love and so the little bit of backstory to that was i didn't even want a dog me hmm. and my oldest daughter we had a family vote there's five of us the two of us voted no dogs no pets because we're like we're all too busy we have too much going on mm-hmm. we don't want pets the other three outvoted us, so we're like, fine, we'll get a dog. So we went to the shelter to look at a dog. I didn't like that dog. We saw this dog, like, two, you know, kennels over or whatever, and I immediately fell in love. And I was like, well, if we're getting a dog, we're getting that dog right there. And they brought it. Great. She was a awesome dog, super pretty, all black, you know, big dog. Is, like, super friendly, super, like, energetic, outgoing you know, great dog. So immediately I fell in love with her. We took her home, fatter her for a couple of years. Uh, started limping like two weeks ago, three, well, probably about three weeks ago now. We thought she just hurt herself, took her to the vet. They said, yeah, put her on this pain medication for two weeks. If she's still limping after that, bring her back. So we put her on the pain medication. She, you know, she seemed like she was doing fine. Mm-hmm. As soon as the medication wore off, she started limping again. So we took her in the other day. My oldest daughter took her in for 
back to the vet. They did x-rays and, of course, in the middle of the work day, I'm at work, and we she texts us all and says, yeah, they said the dog has bone cancer. Uh, it's in her whole back leg. Apparently, it's pretty aggressive. Uh, there's really not a good prognosis. Um, yeah, so the dog has cancer, and the options are very limited, and it's should be lucky to get a year is basically kind of what we took out of the gist of that. And so first, you know, it was really like it, it shook me actually for a minute, and I was surprised at my reaction. Like my immediate reaction, like I almost broke down and cried. Like I really care about this dog, hmm. you know, even though I'm not a uh, – like I hate the term fur babies, and I mm, hate that people right, equate right, right. dogs to humans, and mm-hmm. and that it, I get why people do it. I'm not placing a judgment on them. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just not for you. But for me, that's right, completely right. ridiculous. Like there's a hierarchy in that pet. I love that pet, but it's not the same as my kid or anybody's kid, right? Or anybody's <laughs> kid, right? Right. 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 I'm and with so, you. Right. You know. You you really you are literally though the meme about the dad who doesn't want the pet but then falls in love with it. Like, that's such, oh, such yeah, a meme trope. Yeah. Well, because that's what happens, and this has been with all of our dogs and pets, every time that we get them, is like I say, I don't want a pet. I don't want any more responsibilities mm-hmm. on my plate. But I already know that it's going to be me that takes mm-hmm. care of it. And what's ironic is, like, now my oldest daughter, who was the other one that didn't want a pet, uh-huh is probably actually does more of the dog care than I do. She's mm. the one, because she's not working right now, she takes them to the vet all the time. She takes them out to the dog park. She's walked them and taken them you know, out more yeah. than any of the three other ones, probably uh-huh. combined. I postulate <laughs> that's why you and her didn't want it. Right. Because <laughs> the other three want things and aren't willing to put in the work for them. And we already know, like, if I'm going to get... I got this in my house, too, Billy. If I get a dog, like, I'm not just, like... It's not a trophy thing that's going to sit on the shelf. Like, that thing requires care and all that. So, yes. So, my oldest daughter, who also didn't want the dog, takes care of it more than anyone else. Of course. So, she texts me at work, and I'm immediately, like, I'm, I'm, you know, sad. And so, I do what I always do, which is start looking things up and researching and Mm -hmm. Google and... You know, sure enough, terrible prognosis, you know, we with my veterinarian degree was able to figure out pretty quick (laughs) that, you know, she's at the end and this is, you know, this is it. Um, So the ideas in my head immediately are like, all right, now we got to figure out like end of life stuff and how long and what's that going to look like and... You know, what do we want to do? Do we want to have her cremated? Do we want to bury her? Can we even bury her in our backyard? Right. It's a big-ass dog. <laughs> it's right, a big-ass right, hole. Right. <laughs> like, and, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with a town or whatever yeah. ordinance. Might need a machine, too. <laughs> right. So, you know, all these things are running through my head. Do we want to take her? You know, now they do cool things with, like, uh, the ashes if you get them cremated. And what's it take to get a dog? You know, so anyway, right, I go right. to there. I go to all the practical, uh, like, real-world problems of like putting down a dog Mm -hmm. and dealing with all that and so the other thing was i immediately knew like oh my gosh my son is gonna have what i will call an overreaction Mm -hmm. meaning he's gonna be sad he's gonna cry he's gonna oh my god i'm so devastated and he's 15 and i recognize immediately that like i cannot 
berate him or make him feel bad about that. Mm, <laughs> you know? right, like I have right, to be right. ready for that. So I'm like, I have to get myself conditioned to be like, that's going to be his response. And my internal thing is going to be what my parents always did to me about emotional yeah. stuff, which is <laughs> shut that shit down. Right. This ain't the time or place for that. You know, right. knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. That so sort of in therapy speak, I I'm thinking my parents and your parents could not tolerate the emotional expression. Mm. That emotional expression was too much for their nervous system, right? That nervous system and the kid reacted. Their nervous system had never got the training to know what the fuck to do with that. And so their training was different coping skills of how to stop it. Yeah. Not how to help it, how right. to stop it, right? And then we got that. That's what we learned, and then we're passing it right on too. Right. So, uh, so yeah, so we went home. Like that night we got home. We had the family discussion about... You know what? What to do? Because right. that's the way we handle a lot of things. We all sit down together and we just talk about it. It's beautiful, um, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know, my two daughters, who uh, the oldest daughter, the one that takes care of the dogs, is also a lot like like she already Googled and looked up right. a lot of things, and she already knows. And there's a couple of indicators, but you know, she's towards the end. Like this is gonna be soon, right? I say all that with my lack of hope or any mm -hmm. kind of faith mm -hmm. that anything's going to get better. So we have the family discussion, and of course my son is very emotional, and he's kind of crying. And you know, my middle daughter's like, "Well, what are you crying about?" And I, you, then I got to shut her, <laughs> her mm -hmm. down, and be like, "Hey, yeah. it's okay for him to have his emotions. He's sad. It's okay for him to be upset about the dog. Mm -hmm. Like that's fine." And later I got to talk to her about some of that. I'm like, "Look, I understand you're." A lot like me, like you want to shut down emotions and they're not practical, but that's not necessarily a good thing. It's good mm -hmm. for people to feel emotions and to deal with emotions and people deal with them in a different way. So her and I were able to talk about that a little later, but I'm like, he's emotional and that's actually mm -hmm. a good thing. And we should encourage him to be emotional, not not try to shut that down. Right. right. Um, so the outcome of the family meeting that was kind of that we're going to contact a veterinary clinic that has an oncology department right. and get a second opinion. Gotcha. And, you know, the the debate with my wife and I is like, I am already like, no, we're way past that. This dog mm -hmm. is ready to be put down like within the next couple weeks I right. mean, to me. And this hope and this we're going to go get a second opinion and maybe something's going to be better is like a useless waste of energy and money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And she's like, well, what does it hurt like to have some hope and at least get a second opinion? You know, it's it doesn't hurt anything. It's not. And right. I, like emotionally, I don't even want to go there. It's easier for me to go to the extreme of like, I've already figured it out. This is what we're doing. We're just moving forward on this path instead of having hope that maybe something can get better. Because I fear that if I get some hope back, then I'll have to go through this emotional letdown from that. Mm. So, yeah, so that's where we are. We're still going to get the second opinion. I'm, I'm going to tolerate it, for lack yeah. of a better word, Attempt even to, though I feel like it's a waste of energy and time. Right. And I, I, think, I think what you do in the experience of how you try to tolerate it and what guides you through that will be really interesting. For what you can learn from it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think there's parts under there, right? Like, <clears throat> there's a part that was conditioned by your caregivers that says, 
this is the way to cope with this this situation, this feeling, this nervous system reaction, whatever it is, you know, you're classified as hope. In my mind, I mean, yeah, hope, but like there's something to that, right? There's something you're avoiding. There's a fear. And there's a part that says it's better to not feel whatever is on the other end of this fear than it is to to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that was, in my mind, you got that specifically because that's how some caregiver around you dealt with the world. And I guess it just, for me, in my mind, like like the way your daughter handled the thing you had already figured out not to do in the situation <laughs> with your son. Yeah. My daughter and my older son do this to my nine-year-old son. He's a very emotional character like myself, right? But they got what I got that I gave them, <laughs> which is shutting that shit down. Right. And so it's like while I'm getting better in my house and having the space for his emotional reaction and just, you know, doing some other things, they come into the room and like, and yeah, and then I got to, you know, wedge myself in between and stop <laughs> that. But, but I'm like, once I know that this was all programming, I don't have to take it personal about myself anymore. Right. Right. And when I can see the line of programming where my kids are doing exactly what I gave them that my father gave me, it's like, Oh wait, Wait, this isn't about Jason at all. This is nothing to do with Jason. This is all some shit that got like imprinted on me that I just need to figure out how to unimprint. Yeah, and what's what's ironic to me, so why we were talking about it, uh, my daughter's boyfriend was there and he was talking about it with us and he was like, yeah, you know, I, I had a friend that their dog had uh, bone cancer and they had like almost like a miracle cure thing happen and you know now their dog got better and i'll contact them and see you know what they did or how this and i'm like yeah they call them miracles for a reason because right, they right, never right. happened <laughs> and so i don't even have space for a miracle f- for a miracle wow. and what's ironic about that to me is that i am a person that believes like at least in my own life and existence that that is how you overcome those types of things like mm. it it all starts mentally you have right, to right. believe that you can get better mm. from whatever your terminal illness is yeah. and then put all these pieces in place and so much of it is internal mentally that we don't even scientifically have information to explain yeah so intellectually i know all that and believe that to be true like right. i believe that happens emotionally i don't have the space to do that you know i don't you don't think you do yes right at least in this case and of course it's easy in this case because it's not me that has to think positively i can't positively think the dog into health in my understanding of miracles (laughs) i don't know right i don't know right so there was this this article and i think i mentioned it on here before that like more than 50 percent of what we see in a situation is what we expect going into it hmm. like more than half of what we take away from a thing is what we were already looking for right, what we're already programmed right to see. and and so i take that information and then i take this conversation i've had with like 20 different people where i say hey you know, we could all decide as humans just that we want to do something different and we could all just stop going to work tomorrow for a week. And then eventually, like all the governments of the world would probably just ask us what our demands are to keep everything moving a little bit. And we could just dictate the terms of life and be good to each other and not do what we do now. And every time they're like, you can't do that because you wouldn't be able to trust so and so from coming over and stealing your stuff. And I'm like, no. We can't have that world because you can't believe we could have that world. Like literally, the fact that you can't trust 
that somebody else could also just mind their business and take care of themselves and not attack you keeps us from ever getting to a world where we could have a place so we just all <laughs> right. minded our business. So right. I do understand that we are creating this world with our minds. Like we are literally creating what's in front of us with what we allow ourselves to believe. Mm, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Well, and of course in recovery, we do, uh, you know, what I was always taught was this act as if, and so immediately I started thinking, you know, just from our conversation, I hadn't thought about this before, but what if I just go home and act as if a miracle's going to happen? What if I just, mm-hmm. whatever, pray, ask, you know, higher power, whatever, follow through with this oncologist, whatever, mm-hmm. look up some stuff on what you can, I'm sure you can feed your dog raw worms or what some weird, <laughs> you know, shit, <laughs> some weird thing right, people right. do to, you know. Get on the, dirt on it, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I, I feel like you got to get on certain portions of the internet where they have all the good cures for yeah everything. that they're keeping from us. Invermectin and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know what? But you know, it's funny because that hadn't crossed my mind until now. But it's like, what if I just go home today mm-hmm. and just act as if, mm-hmm. all the way up until the point that you know we may or may not have to put her down, which could be a month, six months, a year. Who knows? You know, but what if I just act as if a miracle is going to happen and try to emotionally get there? I always do this thought experiment where, like, part of me kind of believes that if I could truly wholeheartedly believe in anything, it could be real. Like, if I truly believed hard enough that unicorns were real, I could walk out of my house today and there would be one walking Yeah, it's called The, the Secret. Have you ever seen The Secret? I haven't, but, like, <laughs> okay. I, there's part of me that's that thinks the, That's this. The Secret. Right, yeah. right. If I just stop believing in gravity, I'd fly or whatever, yes. right, you know? That's that more or less that's what the secret is. If you believe in something enough, you can manifest that yeah. into your life. I kinda The trick is the secret <laughs> makes it seem like you can do that with no effort other than the thought. <laughs> like, which Right. And <laughs> that's the that's the crux of it is like how much effort goes into how much thought. <laughs> My problem is I think it can't happen. Unless I can truly convince myself to believe it. And I feel like the world has tamped me down to not be able to convince myself to believe yeah. it in so many ways. Kind of like the guy that says, I, we can't ever have a peaceful world because somebody over there might attack me. So I need guns to defend myself. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that. Like, how do you undo all the stuff the world did to see if you can actually do whatever you believe to prove it right or wrong? <laughs> I mean, that's similar to my understanding of how most people use like a faith in God, especially in the Christian God. You know, if you pray enough and believe enough and ask enough, God will will give it to you unless he thinks you don't need it. Well, I I guess that's (laughs) my thing. With With acting as if like if you go home and act as if I don't think it actually changes that part deep inside of you that doesn't believe it's possible. That's the problem I feel I have with acting as if it doesn't really sell me on the fact that I truly believe it. Yeah. Can't hurt, I guess. But well and I I again the recovery concept, you know, of acting as if sort of fell into line with that bring the body and the mind will follow. You know what I mean? If you go to enough meetings and hear enough information, eventually, you know, it starts to be hope and then you get a little mm-hmm. bit of hope and then eventually that turns into faith and you have faith that it's gonna work that way and then it becomes a belief. But it does it has to start somewhere you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so where do we start it 
I want to ask you, do you think it's helpful? So when I see my older ones, like shutting down my younger ones feelings or those kind of situations, I don't know what I typically do in the moment. I think I'm generally just trying to avoid not being an asshole to the best of my ability. Right. Like, but anyway, at some point when I go to have that conversation, I tend to use the words, you are this way because I programmed this into you. You got this Mm. because I was this way. Like, and my father gave it to me. Like I, I say that a lot. Do you think that's useful? Cause I, I guess when you were talking about having a conversation with your daughter, I was like, Maybe I'm not. Maybe telling them that isn't helping them. Maybe that's like. So for me personally, no, that's not helpful at all. Even to know that like. So where I've come with a lot of that thinking for myself and how I get better is that's just the way that I am. And Hmm. I am okay exactly the way that I am. Hmm. And the way that I process emotions and information is fine for me. It's not okay for someone that doesn't process them that way. You know what I mean? Like everybody's unique and my son has the way that he wants to deal with it and I have my way and I Hmm. am at least at the moment okay with it and I'm doing some work to tie into feelings and to to get more emotionally intuitive and all that stuff. But that might never happen and Hmm. I might never be able to change that part of me. And then is some of that just... Like, how much is nature nurture? Maybe some of it is just my fucking nature because right. that's the nature of my parents and some of it is conditioning. Who who knows? You know what I mean? We just don't know enough. But back to your question, like, for me, it's just that this is the way that I process these emotions and this is what I find useful, but that doesn't make it the same for everybody. Hmm. So it's not that something's wrong with the what I'm doing. It's just not the best way for everybody. I mean, for me, a better way is just understanding, and this is what I said to my daughter, is like, you process your emotions, you know, in the way that works best for you, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can do that, but it doesn't make what other people are doing wrong because they're not, you know, it's just like most things in life. It's We're so varied as human beings in mm-hmm. what we like and what we eat and how we process things and what we think love is and what we think marriage is and, you know, like... So for me, you know, helping my daughter just accept where she is and who she is opens the door that maybe there could be something different. But if I think something's wrong with me, I'm either much likely to feel bad about myself, which is what I felt most of my life anyway. Like, oh, something's wrong with me. For the longest time in my marriage, I thought with my wife, I was like, I might be like a sociopath or something because I don't have emotions. Right. I don't have, you know, this emotional stuff that you keep talking about, this emotional awareness and recognizing your feelings and all, like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I can't even begin to envision that. So I must be broken. Something must be wrong with me. And it wasn't until I got away from that way of thinking that I started to heal. I think when I'm telling the the kids that it's not them and what they got was for me isn't the emotional reaction necessarily. It's it's the inability to tolerate somebody else having hmm. an emotional expression because really that has nothing to fucking do with me at all. Like right. somebody could stand in a corner and cry the whole time we record this episode and like it really doesn't impact me except for the fact that I'm a human and it's going to bother me and I'm going to say, holy shit, can I help you? But so it's, it's, that's the part that I'm saying is wrong. You, you can't attack and bash somebody when they're at their most most vulnerable moment. And I'm saying 
this isn't what you would do naturally. This is what you do because this is what I did. It's mm. what I showed you to do in these moments. I said, one plus one is two, and when people around you have feelings, you fucking crush them. Shut them down. So, like, it's not a, uh, I don't know. I guess I don't feel like I'm telling them they're bad, but I am saying that that is not a, that is not a thing you can be. Yeah, and house. I guess that gets back to, like, how do we teach our children about compassion and empathy and sympathy you know like those are qualities that aren't overly expressed in society as being very valuable it seems like especially nowadays like it's it's very uh separatist and team oriented so you know yeah how do we teach our kids about empathy and you know allowing people to be emotional like it's tough I think in my mind, it's it's saying, look, they're having an emotional reaction in that moment, right? And what happens to me in that moment is my nervous system gets really dysregulated by their nervous system being dysregulated. But that's mine to deal with. And yelling and screaming at somebody else because of my nervous system is never okay. My nervous system and its state and my feelings and what they are are mine to deal with, not to yell at anybody or hit them with. That's what I gave you. I gave you what my father gave me. When my feelings get too much, I need to tell everybody around me how to be in order for me to be okay again. Hmm. And that's not okay. It's not okay in my house, and it's not going to be okay in the world. You're not going to be happy if you keep living like that. Yeah. So that's what I try to tell them. And like... I guess I don't know. In my mind, yeah, I am saying that's wrong, and you're not allowed to do it. Yeah, the attacking part, maybe. I mean, I did shut my daughter down. From, right, right. You know, that's yeah. It's not okay to make him feel worse or tell him he's got to stop. Like right. that part's not okay. But the way that she processes it is, you know, that's it's her processing. Yeah. And for me, like it's it's not even about. Well, and maybe th- the the underlying is something like you're talking about, but it feels like in my mind, like. These high emotional reactions to difficult situations to me are very impractical. Like, you know what I mean? Like everything to me rolls back to practicality. Like, all right, I can be all sad and upset and crying about the dog, but that's going to do nothing to help fix this situation. And so my emotional shutdown is more a process of like, all right, shut all these emotions down so we can figure out what the fuck to do and how to fix it. Because I'm a fixer. So there's two nervous systems, right? Parasympathetic, which is the the rest and digest, the calm, right? And then there's the sympathetic, which is we, I think we know what that is. Most people, right? It's that fight or flight energy, that anxiety, that amped upness. But the parasympathetic nervous system has two places in it. There's the, the, the calm, connected uh, nervous system you know it's the one where you and I can sit here comfortably and chat with each other because we know neither of us is going to pull out a knife and stab each other right we're, we're friends there's another part of the parasympathetic nervous system that would be um, more like withdrawn from the world and disconnected and, and unable really to reach to touch another human with compassion hmm. right it's just as dysregulated but it's freeze and so it doesn't look as manic as fight or flight it looks dignified and like you're an adult and handling yourself and taking care of business right it's just as dysregulated but from a closed off state 
when your son is having his emotional reaction that you call an overreaction, right? That manic fight or flight energy comes up in him. You and what I think your daughter has been modeled and, and gotten from you is that the only way to tolerate that because yours is so shut down is to shut them the fuck down too. You, it's too much because a, a connected calm would want to reach to them and hug them. Hey, wow, you look sad, right? But it's that freeze of the nervous system that disconnects you from your humanness that says, we can't have this and I will fucking belittle you until you stop. At least that's my version. I don't know if it looks like that in your house. But like, in my mind, you're having just as much of a nervous system dysregulation and lack of control over your actions. It's just from a different angle and looks nicer in the world. It's it's what we talked about last month when you weren't here, Billy. It's the near enemy uh, of what really is the good thing right the the compassionate connection is what we want in that moment but that near enemy is i'm just taking care of business and y'all need to give me the space to do that and not waste my time with all your fucking tears and hope right i don't know how does that feel i mean it makes sense i don't know the science part but what of course immediately what i go to is yeah but the world needs both of those types of people because if you're in like you know, not that anybody ever wants to be in a war, but if you're in a war and you have like a medic who's in a war that has to go out into an active battlefield of people shooting and everything else to try to help and save someone, like they have to be able to shut that emotional shit down. Or, you know, the guy that runs in to help the person that's being attacked by the lion at the zoo, like somebody has that ability to do that. You know, and so there is benefits in different situations where having that ability is useful. I don't think that's I'm not sure if that's that or not. Honestly, no. I mean, I could imagine a medic or a guy jumping in to save a lion like that's a shit ton of energy to run into a lion cage and take on a lion. That's a fight or flight. That's a sympathetic reaction for sure. That's not a a shut down, disconnected, controlled I should walk in here and help this guy with the lion comfortably and calmly. Like, hmm. Okay. That's very much a... But I guess what I'm thinking of is when you said that, when you said we need those people for when we end up in that war and the medic, and that sounds a lot like the guy who says we can't have peace because we're going to need guns for when them people come over here. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe we just don't need a war. Maybe we can Well, that's... Be- and that's... Before I even went there, that's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, well, war's stupid anyway. We don't even really need war, but... That's why I try to go to like a lion or something else. <laughs> so, so following the path, just out of curiosity, not out of, you know, there's any right or wrong, because I don't believe in right or wrong, even though I try to act like I'm right <laughs> for a guy that doesn't think there's right and wrong. Right. I should look at that. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay. So, so say, say instead of the, the disconnection in that moment, there's the ability to just meet your son, whether it's you or your daughter, right? You could just meet him and say, it's painful right there, man. I get that, right? And then you can comfort and console him for half an hour. And then he'll feel fine. He'll go back to playing games or whatever the hell he was doing before the feelings came over him. His nervous system will go back to calm. And then after that half an hour, you guys could go on with the rest of your plans or fixing the situation or whatever. Like, why would we ever want to skip that half an hour? Why would that ever be the... Like you were saying, sometimes we need those people, and I'm. Do we need? Them? Well, and that's where I'm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am resistant to going with my impulse because I question whether it's right or wrong. But in my mind, there's always that thing of that's just not practical. Mm. You know, that's what I tell myself. Right, right, right. And that's the words. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's it's not it's not useful. Uh-huh. It's not practical. It's yeah. not going to help the situation. Okay. That's what we like to hear a lot. You know, it doesn't help anything. S- slow that for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I don't know about practical. Practical is an interesting word. I don't <laughs> want to go there. But I would say taking that half an hour to comfort your son's feelings and connect with him is totally helpful and useful for him. Maybe not for you. I get that. But what what does the voice well, that, say when it's helpful and useful for the other person? Well, that's where I try to think it's not helpful and useful to him. Like that's my justification in my head is like – as you get to be an adult and grow up and go into the world, if your boss or somebody at work does something that hurts your feelings, like you can't just break down and cry. You know what I mean? Like right. you got to suck it up and go forward and act as if nothing happened. And you know, like that's my conditioning in right. the world. And like even people at work, like I know I work with a couple people and they've had issues where, you know, they've been whatever yelled at or, or criticized or, you know, had a, bad interactions at work and they cry and get upset and go outside and got to take some time and like in my internal dialogue is like what the fuck is wrong with you like Mm. why are you like who says that who Who, says who said that in your life and maybe they didn't have the word fuck in it i can't picture your mom saying fuck (laughs) my mom yeah who Uh, said what's wrong she cussed all the time Oh, oh yeah. did she say what the fuck is wrong with you? Is that her sentiment? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now uh, we know that's mom in your yeah. head. That's not really um, Billy. Billy, I want to tell you something, buddy. If I was crying in front of you, you would hug the fuck out of me, man. Probably, Billy, yeah. Billy would hug me. Billy's mom's voice in his head says, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right, and so that's like, so where I'm at in my life now, and this has only been within the past four or five years, couple of years, is really looking at that internal dialogue and recognizing which parts of it aren't you. Right, aren't me <laughs> and and that I want to get rid of, you know, because the 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 balance there is that the justification most of my life for being this, you know, what I'll call hard or unemotional or or emotionally stoic person, like I've justified that in my head that there's rationale and that it's good and that that's the way that you're Mm -hmm. supposed to process the world which is why i teach my kids that are you know what the idea was behind teaching my kids it wasn't like just reacting without thought it's like oh no you want to be able to suppress these emotions and push them down and like if your boss yells at you it makes you feel bad you just want to be able to like take that and then just keep moving on because that's how you get success um but now I've begun to question some of that and be like, well, what is, like, is that success? Like, maybe, I mean, 
might get approval from the people at work, but if I feel like shit or misunderstood or not able to be myself, like that doesn't feel successful, right, <laughs> you know? Right. So really trying to question some of that stuff. And like you, you said, like with our situation with my son, so I was able to shut my daughter down and defend him and his feelings, but I wasn't overly nurturing to him mm. after that. I didn't like hug him or console him for a half an hour, you know, we kind of just continued on with our family discussion and he was upset, but yeah. And I thought about that afterwards and thought, wow, I wish I would have been at the time. I wish I would have been able to just lean over and like give him a hug or tell him it's okay or let him cry on me. Right. But the intern, like the, the level of like just clenching my fists to not I react was tolerate. so there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Yeah. So I guess what I'm picturing, and this is what I'm, what I'm trying to do with mine right now that I think it's the thing to do <laughs> is, okay, you go home. He has that emotional reaction that you know is coming. You're prepared. You've set yourself up. You know, you're going to do some breathing and, and you, you hold him right that night, this new night, you hold him. Maybe it takes half an hour. Maybe he cries for half an hour. Maybe you all need to walk out front to get some cool air on your face to even calm it down then. But then in six months, another big thing happens, and this time you hold him, and it takes 15 minutes. And then a year after that, a big thing happens, and then you hold him, and it takes five minutes. It's just a hug. And then over time, he gets better at learning how and what feels good when he is dysregulated. Well, fuck, feeling being hugged is nice. Seeking out people that love me to comfort me is nice. Um, Being still is nice. These things help me when I don't feel good. And then in the future, when he is an adult and those things happen at work, he knows how to fucking comfort himself because you showed him. Have you found that listening to the Recovery Sort of podcast has helped you in your day-to-day journey? Please share the message of compassion and well-being with the loved ones in your life. Connect with us more at recoverysortof.com, Facebook, Instagram, threads, YouTube, and other social media spaces. And have a great week.